everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney-Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today, we'll be continuing our Sustainable Leaders series and have a talk story with John Leung, the CEO of Pono Pacific LLC and the nonprofit Kupu. These two businesses focus on preserving, protecting, and restoring Hawaii's precious ecosystems. We plan to tackle both businesses, how they work together, the different programs they have, and the reach, collaboration, and partnerships they have made along the way, I think over 15 plus years. What they do for our keiki and our future is absolutely amazing, and I'm happy to find myself, my career, crossing paths again after 15 years. I can't believe it's been that long. Mm-hmm. So, aloha, John. Aloha. How are you doing? Great, thank you. Um, before we begin, let me tell you a little bit about John. This is what I've collected, which I didn't have a bio from you, so sorry. Oh. He's um, a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania. And the Wharton School, mm-hmm. right, with a dual concentration in environmental management and policy and also entrepreneurial management. He is the owner and CEO, as mentioned, of Pono Pacific, and he started that in 2000, mm-hmm. and Kupu, which started in 2007, and both were co-founded with Juliana. Mm-hmm. All right, his amazing wife, yes. by the way. Awesome. Okay, so let's begin. Um, I like to usually start with your background growing up and then diving into your current family. Okay, great. Thank you. Well, I'm really very excited about this and I'm so proud to see that you've um, you've put this um, series together and just what an awesome asset to our community. So thank you for doing that. (laughs) So I grew up here, born and raised in um, Uwano. And um, I'm a Punahou grad. Um, and as you mentioned, I went off to, to study at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, growing up, I always had a love of Hawaii and for my family, but also a love for business. So um, my family has the Wailana Coffee House. I had the Wailana Coffee House that recently closed last year. And it was really neat growing up there and seeing my grandfather and grandmother running it. Um, you all saw, I saw how they used business to take care of people. And it was, uh, they had loyal customers and their employees were always well taken care of. And in fact, when my grandfather passed away um, in the safe, my grandmother found all these paper IOUs. Of, you know, he'd, he'd used the profits he had earned to, to bless his employees, help them out with things that they needed to, to, to spend money on. And he just would give them a no interest, you know, pay me back when you can kind of thing. And, um, and so I saw how businesses brought people together. They were a vehicle to transform communities and to hopefully pass on values, and, and in his case, good values. And, um, and so that's what made me want to go off to study business at Wharton down the line. Concurrently, I was also in a program similar to the one you were in um, called the Youth Conservation Corps. And that was on, put on by the state, DLNR. And so DLNR had that... Um, I was in the second year of the program in 1996. It was a small program that 12 kids um, on Oahu, and then we, I think we had 12 kids on Kauai. And so we were working out in conservation work, um, removing old fence posts and fencing, you know, building trails, and uh, removing invasive species, planting. And I just, I had a love for the work. And then I also found a love for, um, I'd always loved the outdoors, but I found more about how sensitive Hawaii's environment was. 
And so that got me really excited. So that's what, when I went off to study, um, eventually I put both of those together, the passion for business and the passion for environment. And I create my own um, focus in, in school. So um, that's why I did environmental policy and environmental management. Uh, so putting all of that together, um, when I finished, I was, uh, I think it's great um, when folks like yourself are, are following their passions. And even though sometimes initially you don't know how you're financially going to make it all work out, it's really awesome to follow your passions because sometimes those, I believe, you know, God kind of opens one door and he, and he tells you to be faithful, move forward in that. And then you see what happens because of that. Um and you don't always have the, all the steps laid out, but you just have to trust and move forward one step at a time. And in my case, it's the same. I, I had opportunities to, to work for um, companies in San Francisco and in New York. And um, But I felt always a calling to come back home that I felt a responsibility to our state that had raised me and that, that this is a place that had given me my values and a community that I loved. And I wanted to, to use my experiences and my time and my talents um, to, to make Hawaii better. And so I, I felt a calling to come back here and, and to especially work in our environment. And so um, it was a huge risk. Um, and But at the same time, too, I felt, you know, if I didn't do it, I would never know um, if, you know, it could be. I had a professor that at one point had said to me, you know, um, it's a risk to, to start a business, but it's a bigger risk to work for an organization um, sometimes when you're being called to do something else. Because one in the organization is also going to be someone in the in the corporate ladder that wants to, you know, stay, keep their position. And so that's part of it. But the other more important thing is that when you have a dream um, and a passion and you don't feel that um, the world's going to potentially lose out because of the dream or passion that's been put just in you. So I took that to heart and I came back and then we started um, Pono Pacific in 2000 out of my parents' house. So, yeah, that's kind of our, our early years and our start. Um, yes, our family today? Do you want to? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. tell, tell me about your family, personal family, if you don't mind sharing. Sure. So um, family today, we have um, four children. So my wife. Uh, wow. Yeah. I have not caught up with you in a minute. Yeah, no, it's been a long time. So I married my um my high school sweetheart. I Aww. met Juliana when I was 16, 17 and she was 16. And then we started dating uh, in early college. And um, so I've known her more years than I haven't known her. Now, unfortunate for her. But, uh, <laughs> I, I tell her that we should let, I should make the decisions because um, obviously I made the right choice in, in, in our relationship to, to, to pursue her. I don't know about her decision-making skills. Choosing me, but um but we've had a wonderful, we've been married for the last um, six, 16 years now. And, um, and how old are your kids? So Teada is 12, Hikuda is nine. So our two girls are 12 and nine. And then um, Mata Ora is nine, I'm oh, sorry, seven. And um, Mana is three. And they all have names from Rapanui. That's where Juliana is from. So oh, Eastern. awesome. So what are they all into? Um, they're into a lot of different things. Um, Teada has been helping me coach at soccer. She's paddling now. She's starting her first season over at Huinalo with her sister, Ikuda. Um, they are, um, she's playing violin and my 
our second daughter Hikuda is playing the piano, and so and she loves gymnastics and bunnies. And bunnies. <laughs> How she's she's, she's nine. nine. That's yeah. how old Charlie is. Yeah, <laughs> she's into gymnastics too. Oh really? I'm sure she would love a bunny if we had one. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's kind of an awesome age. Our seven-year-old Mata is. He loves Lego. He loves building things and creating and and anything that is electronic, like you know, remote controlled. He loves that kind of stuff too. And then our youngest is into eating. He's into the playground and just a, is he know, the rambunctious yeah, one? Yeah, he's like a little bull. You know, just, <laughs> we've had a, we inherited a dining room table from our, our grand aunt and uncle. It's been in perfect condition all the years that they had it, and they gave it to us, and then we had had it, and then our youngest, our, our three year old, he's broken two of the chairs in his young life. Oh in my three goodness. Of the years, so, yeah. You thought you were going to get away with not getting the. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Well, he will be a character, I'm sure, growing up. Hopefully, he'll use it towards sports or something. I'm pretty sure he will. Well, thanks for sharing your personal family and what you guys are up to. I would imagine that that's your uh, your free time. (laughs) That would be your. um, What do you do for uh, for fun? (laughs) That (laughs) do you have Do you have your own personal? (laughs) Uh, um, Well, I like to take the kids outside when we have time. Um, I mean, I personally like art and like drawing and and. play guitar a little bit but um with the kids i like we like doing stuff outside um we can so either working with our hands and building stuff or we went fishing the other weekend or um, or four-wheel driving and going up hiking in like Pumoho or Mokala and places like that that there's not a lot of people so we just try that so do you do that as a family Mm -hmm. and then do you feel well you guys are kind of in that world yeah. Is there ever a separation from business and family? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I do. I mean, I try to be careful not to take too much work home, but you know, we also want them to, to develop that passion for the outdoors. And, and you know, earlier in my career, a lot of it was outside. I was the guy doing doing all, all the of planting, it, right? Yeah, exactly. A lot of it's now. I'm finding that I'm coaching in a different way, um, getting things done by. You know, teams and systems, and, yeah. And so it's it's more behind the scenes and not actually in the front line. Yeah. Things done. So on your free time. Yeah. That's what you like to yeah. Do. That makes sense. And we want them to develop that passion too. So. How is it working with your wife, or do you guys just take on different roles? She, we take on different roles. So, so my wife's, um, she, she says that she's been on maternity leave for the last twelve years. But <laughs> <laughs> she's been awesome. I mean, she's been a great support to us. She, um, she was Hoopo's first executive director. We first incorporated, and then we had our daughter, and she decided that you know, my wife is super talented and super smart, but she really had such a passion for our children that she wanted to invest a lot of her time there with them. Um, so she's on Google's board now, and so she helps a lot with a lot of the direction there. And then as an owner of One Pacific, she helps on the more strategic side. Mm-hmm. So that's been you know she's she's been involved in the top level, but. She's also been involved in a few of our programs too. So we just did one um, as a uh, outpouring of the IUCN World Conservation Congress. We had um, funds to put together a, uh, a program to bring young professionals from across the Pacific together to help them develop as, as leaders and next generation managers for their communities. So how had, old are they? So they ready? were in their like late 20s to early 40s. Awesome. So they were. Uh, we had folks from like. Rafa Nui, where Juliana's from, 
um, Guam, Saipan, American Samoa, Palau, and Hawaii. And it was really great. She helped out providing the, um, some of the perspectives from coming from another island and supporting that. So it was really neat. It's been successful. Those fellows will come back in the summer of, uh, of this year to kind of wrap up their program. Wow. How long was that program? It's one year. It was one year. So they were, they came twice to, or they'll they'll be a total of twice, two weeks in 2018 and two weeks in 2019. Wow. So I guess I wanted to dive into your, both of your companies and how they work, how they overlap too. Um, And then, you know, how things get done, I guess, in this world, because a lot of people don't really know. So uh, Pono Pacific. Yeah was um, first created. So, um, but most of what you were doing, was it actual work where you're getting paid or was it really along the lines of... Like volunteerism? Yeah, volunteerism. Well, I think we were, we were probably, I think when we first calculated, we were like, okay, we want to make conservation affordable. You know, we want to make it something that we can do. And so we had these really low rates in the beginning. And then when as a young business owner, we started out figuring, okay, this is their cost of insurance. This is their cost to, you know, to have a vehicle and equipment and everything. I think in the end, we made like $2 an hour. So it was almost like volunteering. And I, don't, I think at first, like, taxes were like negative or, or, you know, just barely scraping by in terms of adjusted gross income. So, um, so you know, for those that are listening that are just out of college, just out of school, I mean, you know, one of the things we learned in those early days is that we had to, we had to be okay eating uh, Simon for a season in life, and we had um, cardboard boxes for our tables, and um, we would find also, we'd find old, um, uh, what is it, uh, luau tables, the, the old ones that were press board, and, oh, yeah, press board yeah. and with the warped ones, we would like zip two by fours on the bottom to straighten it out and support <laughs> it. But we just did that. And um, in fact, our company today, we give to our new employees a soup can with pictures of their family and friends on it. And it's to remind us where we came from to stay humble. And um, the soup can is what we used as our, our pencil holders uh, and pen holders because we didn't want to spend money at Office Max to buy a you know, $5 pen holder. Yeah. So we just said, okay, let's just reuse it and, and do that. And then the families and friends to remind people where their values should be. Uh, work's important, but also that we're, why we're doing this for the next generation, for our families. And, you know, that this should never be a substitute or take you away from your families, but just hopefully add to your life as well. Yeah. So, um so yeah, so we started really humble beginnings, and um, and we were doing all the, the the all the dirty work, all the tough all the stuff, work, yeah. Yeah, all, all the grunt work, <laughs> all the things that you guys probably did in HYCC, and um, but it was great. You know, I remember um, just feeling so satisfied. You were a little tired. Your body is spent, but just feeling so um, satisfied in in doing a good job. And after you know, and so that's uh, that's how we started, and then. Um, over the years, so you were doing the HYCC, right? That was yeah, so that, that was a program that was actually. Could you explain? Because yeah, that was a start, sure. right? Yeah. So we started Pono Pacific in 2000 and 2001. We were contracted by DLNR, uh, a friend who was our, who was my coordinator when I was in the program in the 90s. Miley Sakamoto reached out and said, "Hey, you know, we got some funding to put together a summer program again." And there was no one internally that really wanted to, to do it. And within DLNR, can we contract you guys to do that? So they put out an RFP and we responded and wanted. And I think we had like, it was 
something small, like, like maybe $20,000 for the first summer. And we had 16 kids on Kauai. Um, so that's where you started Kauai? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the original funding came from Representative Bertha Kawakami, where she was really supporting it. So we wanted to deal out and really wanted to thank her by trying to get something on Kauai first. And um, so that's where we first started in 01. And then um, by 03, we had Oahu, Kauai, and Hawaii Island on, on the programs. And what year were you? You were 05? I think I was 05. Yeah. But I was on the, Maui. I was on Maui, yeah. and I was actually moving back yeah. to Oahu that after that that's summer. Right, that's right. And yeah. so I was like, this seems like a really fun thing to do. And I was on the um, team leader side. Right. So there was like, there's a team leaders and then yeah. there were the kids. So, yeah. 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 So for those that are listening that don't know what HYCC is, it stands for the Hawaii Youth Conservation Corps. And the state had tried or had developed a program in the 90s and then it kind of lost funding and it came back and when we started running it in 2001. And so, and it follows a youth core model. And so, um, probably remember this from orientation or maybe I don't but it was uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt um, after after the Great Depression or during the Great Depression he was trying to get young people working and getting some of important civic projects done and, and um, infrastructure projects done so they created this the the um, the uh, CCC it was first started the um, uh, Conservation Corps and so they um what they ended up doing is having young people paid to build camps, um, you know, trails, bridges, all type of things around the country. In fact, on Koke'e, up in Kauai, they still have a CCC camp. And you can see some of the remnants of the work that was done there, too. Wow. So that started in the 19, late 1930s, 1940s. And what's happened since is that there's youth corps all across the country, about 120 now. And most of them engage, still engage young adults working in outdoors environment and sustainability projects. And a lot of them have an educational component too, where they try to get them their diplomas or higher education degrees too. Um, so that's kind of the model um, is to, to learn through doing. Makahana um, Kaike was our, one of our, our taglines, um, which means through working one learns. And yeah, so that's what... Um, that's uh, one of Pono's first projects, too. Yeah. And then the other thing about that program was there were on the outer island for us on the neighbor yeah. island, we were on, when we were on Maui, we literally had 16 rambunctious teenagers mm-hmm. and they gave us the responsibility of them for the whole week. <laughs> yeah. I had to buy food yeah. and we went camping for the yeah. whole you know, week. And it was a very cool experience, but I was like, wow, I'm responsible. I'm not that much older. Yeah. <laughs> I was like in my early twenties, I think. Right. I'm not that, you know, I'm responsible with 16 kids. <laughs> yeah. Got but, you ready for motherhood. Right? Yeah, it did, right? <laughs> no. And, and I knew nothing about botany or anything in the environment world, but I did work with teenagers a lot in, mm-hmm. in South Central. So um, I definitely assisted in that arena. And the person they paired me with was like a biologist. Mm-hmm. So I think it worked really well. But um, anyhow, on that end, so what you guys have now from that, what, yeah. what do you guys offer? So, so the, Kupu came about in 2007, and basically what happened was we started with a program of 16 kids in 
by 2005, we had over 100 youth in the program. And other partners were giving other offerings too, like um, our students could then get college credits. Yeah, that's right. And then they could uh, get a stipend. They get paid. They, they get, get paid. money. Yeah. You high schoolers, you can get money too if yeah. you come to this program. <laughs> Which is free and free travel. And, and free travel. You camp on the weekends, and then I don't know if we ever did it your year, but we for a long time we're taking kids to Kahala. Well, and we did that. That was right. amazing. Yeah, and that was a once in a lifetime experience. You it get was. to go to these places a lot of folks don't get to go to and see and work in on them. And then you get to meet people that are specialists that are, you know, leaders in their different areas. So it's really an awesome opportunity to see if you enjoy conservation as a career. Mm -hmm. And so what we were seeing is more people finding their passion, uh, finding careers into related fields or higher education. And we we decided that that was different than what Pono was pursuing. Pono was more about... um, professional land stewardship and land management, um, you know, taking large acreages of land or doing large projects or small projects on conservation lands, whereas Kupu is really using service projects as a vehicle to transform lives and give them, giving them the opportunity to um, understand what their potential is and where they want to go in life. Yeah, so... With the conservation land, I mean, most of it, a lot of it belongs to the government, right? Mm-hmm. So they're they're probably your number one. Yeah, contribute. Um, yeah, so client, I guess. Yeah, so we. But well, do you have a lot of people that are not um, that are have conservation land, or do they? So on the on the Pono Pacific side, we have a bunch of clients that are private and public landowners, mm-hmm. um, from Kamehameha schools to. Um, you know, we work with Pulamalana'i on, on, on the and, um, and of course with a lot of government projects like Fish and Wildlife Service, DLNR as well too. Um, on the on the nonprofit side, um, all of our members have to work basically on either government or nonprofit um, lands. They can't work on private private for 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 profit um, mm-hmm. projects. So, um, so yeah, the majority of Kupu's projects are with government, um, although we do support. We have about 150 partners across the state, and um, they range in size from small nonprofits that are grassroots, just developing. And our members will come in as either individuals or teams, and they'll they'll do pro- they'll help them with some of the work they need to get accomplished. And some of them as short as like six weeks to seven weeks that they'll work at a site um, to you know, to up to two years, we can place someone at a site. So it varies in terms of size. And uh, Kupu is statewide. Uh, Are they basically like, is that the concept of almost like an internship? Sort almost, of? Yeah. yeah. So so our, our team ones are similar to what you experienced where they still have two leaders or a leader mm-hmm. and a crew. And so they'll, they'll go to different sites and um, the crew leader is responsible for them and they report to Kupu. They're part of our Kupu team and, and um, and then the individual placements is that they're more like an internship model mm-hmm. where they'll they'll stay at a site for a year. However, our teams um, work with them. They're they're technically a Kupu member. They're paid through us, um, and then they um, and they go through trainings through us. And then we'll do usually like a quarterly get together where we bring all of them together, 
And then, so Kupu's role in it with the individual internships is also doing the mentorship side of it, where we check in with them, how are they developing. Yeah, so the actual partners aren't necessarily needing to do that. They Mm -hmm. just kind of get the services with them. Right, so they tell them what they need to do on the day-to-day basis. And then you work with them on the mentoring side. Yeah, and we have members all across the Pacific now, too, so it's not just Hawaii. We have them in Midway, America, Samoa, California. Um, I think this year we're putting more in Samoa and Guam. So it's uh, it's really neat to see that um, Hawaii's, you know... So are people from Hawaii going there, or it's people over there working in their land? Yeah, over there working in their land. It's been really cool because we try to go where people are asking us to go versus us saying, okay, we're going to just go somewhere. But um, in American Samoa, for example, it's been really neat. We found that our this last year we had two young ladies from American Samoa there, and just how it's creating employment opportunities where there aren't as many, and then giving them experiences that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And so they're really, it's it's neat in a smaller community how, um, impactful. how impactful it is. Yeah, and so they're they're really able to help build a bridge between like fishermen and the government where there was kind of distrust before. Right. And so right. Um, so they were with Noah, for example, and so they're trying to help to build build build, build bridges. bridges. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So where, um, when you pulled off and did Kupu, did you do that because it was, was, is it easier to get grants? Is there, I think the biggest thing is, is mission drift is that we didn't see that's really what Pono's focus was. So Pono and Kupu are pretty strict about keeping an arm's length in terms of projects and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, but, uh, we have, um, Kupu, is uh, really, um, you know, it's, a, it's such a different mission in terms of, I mean, although they do similar things, it's really more about youth development and young young members development. So we work with 16 to 24 years in age, and that's really the most, that's a really important demographic in our nation. It's one of the most underemployed demographics in, in our nation. And, and realizing that part of Part of a solution to what is empowering that next generation so they can be employable, they have a passion, and then they can unlock their potential. And um, so really the outcomes is about education, career, and civic engagement is those three that we're really aiming for with Kupu. And then Pono Pacific is really about managing lands in a really great way. And um, and so I think on, it's two sides of the same coin. One is really developing the next generation talent. And then Pono Pacific is is really about developing industries that are going to make Hawaii more resilient. So, um, in the last few years, we've really so we we started in conservation. We went into land management, land managing larger acreage, um, supporting larger larger acreage management, and um, that got us to seeing that a lot of private landowners, for them to keep their lands in working lands, you know, ag, forestry. Um, they need some kind of revenue model. And unfortunately, conservation, although the long term, it has the most economic impact in our state. If we don't have water, for example, that our watersheds produce, um, you know, then as a state, we're not going to be able to sustain life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, the the, the cultural and the, and the conservation side of it, where we have species that are found nowhere else in the world, that's, that's invaluable. I mean, you can't, you can't put a price on that. Yeah. Um, but from, from a short-term economic perspective, I mean, private landowners were looking at how do we, how do we 
we want to do this, but how are we going to be able to succeed with this? So, and make it financially doable, viable, right? Yeah. So one of the projects that was just recently put out that Pono has engaged in um, is with Turtle Bay. And so we're working with their ownership of Blackstone, um, which is a large real estate investment company. They, mm -hmm. they brought the Ritz-Carlton and the, the Kalapana. Or, uh, no, um, Kings Village, right? No. Kings Village and then Kapalua are, I think, yeah, one of the two up, two of them are the Grand Wailea and then um, the Ritz Carlton, I think they did. Um, and then uh, Turtle Bay is. So they have a lot of conservation land. They do. They have about five hundred actually ag uh, acres, and so we're we're working to help manage. What kind of ag zone? So right now it's diversified ag. They have different um, uh, ag um, uh, farmers. Um, a lot of them working on like basil and, and you know uh, herbs. So it's, and, it's being used as ag right now. Yeah, like that. it's well, it's 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 underutilized right now. So Pono's role is is really to kind of help to, um, to to tighten it up a little bit, make it make it more productive, and eventually the hotel would like to buy from its own um, land produce, produce yeah. but it's not food safety certified currently. Oh, so kind of okay. getting them to that point, and okay. then creating. And you help with that? Yeah. So that's what oh. Pono Pacific's. Uh, we have a. A great team. Chris Lee is helping head that up. Is the and um, and so we're really we're really excited about that. And then we're also testing some biofuel uh, potential so that um, we could look at potentially also doing energy on the land as well too. So you know, and I mean the hope is that these these models are scalable. How much how much land does do they have? Like, they have about 500 acres, so wow. almost 500 And where is it all located? Just just across the street on Kamehameha Highway. Oh, it's here on Island? Yeah, it's right across from Turtle Bay. So, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so it's it's a really neat model. We really see there's potential to, to uh, you know, continue to support local farmers, create jobs, um, be able to create local produce, energy, and educate the community to make it a really great spot. So we're going to actually have... Uh, for the community ag plots that we're developing, so not just for the for the farmers, but for those that want to be weekend farmers, we're going to have uh, we're, like we're community, community plot, yeah gardens for them as well too. So probably like thirty gardens that are that'll be available this summer. And do they just come and do yeah. it, or is it like a fee, or how yeah, does so, it work? yeah, there'll be a small fee, and they're gonna, there's going to be a. Um, um, on our website, we're going to have a sign up on PonoPacific.com. So um, you're doing this this summer? That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, so I need to come out with my uh, GoPro and, there you go. and yeah. see everything you got going. Yeah, no, it's going to be a great opportunity. And, and, and so there's a lot of really great things. You, there's a lot of activity that's happening. We're putting in um, conservation fencing around the whole farm because there's a lot of concern about theft as well as yes, um, right. um, pigs that damage crops or you know, there's going to be a, there's a lot of activity that's happening to make it a better place to farm as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just in Kauai and I was at the um, Kauai Timbers mm -hmm. and they have a community farm there. Mm -hmm. And it was really neat. I met the farmer that's um, running that whole area. They took it used to be a 36 hole golf course mm -hmm. at one point wow. and they did away with 18 holes wow. and it just sat there for over three to five years or something wow. for the 18 holes. The other 18 holes they kept and made it nice. Yeah. And this is like a, a, a really nice high-end resort, kind of a place uh, close to the Kauai area, yeah. right by the airport. Yeah. And so they took all this land and they 
turned it into a community farm because they tested the the ground and the soil and it was clean because nothing was being done to it for the past, I don't know, three to five years. So then they can do like this, you know, organic farming and stuff. So the past year they did that and now they um, put that food, you know, like the food that the people are at the timbers, they actually take the food, um, like you can, if you're staying there and you're, or you're there, you know, an owner, you can go ask, either ask the farm or farm yourself, right? right? Or it also goes to the restaurant there, you know, so, and then they do all this stuff for the community and all the schools with the keiki for there. So that's, that's the kind of stuff I really enjoy seeing um, what the communities are doing. And here, I know it's, you know, growing a lot in that arena. But what I'm, I guess I've been afraid of is that we grew up in a you know time where I feel we still had this yeah. sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. You're learning a lot about yeah. yourself right. and you know your community, and you know that you have these obligations. But now, it's you know the kids are changing, and there's no one kind of teaching this yeah. you know until they stumble across your program right. or something. But right. that's at 16 at this right. point, right? right. <laughs> well, now we have actually a, uh, a program for. We have one that is working in the DOE, and so it's it's called our Environmental Education Leaders Program, and so it's really exciting because we're trying to get um, we have leaders now that are that are placed within the different schools. They help to build curriculum and outdoor activities within and, the you know, elementary schools. So and from everything? high school through elementary, awesome. so it's really neat. And so there's I think there are like. 12 different schools on Oahu right now. Can you make um, Pearl City Highlands Elementary School your next school? <laughs> okay, <laughs> we will try. I don't, I but I, you know, I think that, um, I think with Kamehameha schools, we're working at Campbell, Campbell, Kapolei district. So it's not quite there, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's neat. Um, so it's it's been really cool to see that next generation come in. And then we started, a, because our leaders would be off during the summer, we started a Kokua camp. So if you have, if anyone's listening and they're looking for something for a youth 12 to 17 years of age, they can sign up for uh, with us. We have four weeks during the summer. Um, and here on Oahu. Here on Oahu. Um, and there's, they also meet at different sites across Oahu too. So Kapolei, Oahu, Honolulu, I think the Windward side as well too. And um, So this is during summer for four weeks? For four weeks, yeah. And it's $200, $200. a week, um, 12 to 17 years old and it's a really great opportunity for for kids to kind of explore and learn it's not going to be as work intensive as like our hycc summer program mm-hmm. where the kids got paid this one is more exploration they're going to do some work they're going to get their hands dirty and each week has a different topic so one is on space they're calling it lani kai ocean aina land and then i think the last one is on culture so or yeah, or water. Maybe it's fresh water. Sorry. Bye. Yeah. And so, when is that? When um, are the signups for? That? I don't. It's on Kupu's website. If you oh, go okay. to Environmental Education Leaders, it's um, kupuhawaii.org, and um, it's in June and July is the dates. I don't know the exact off the top of my head. Well, I'm gonna tell my cousin about that one because she has two uh, teenage boys that need to get outdoors and off their phones and yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that's such a huge thing to your point, I mean that's what is going to get kids actively engaged and as I mentioned earlier one of our goals is civic engagement which is really just that people learn their kuleana to this place and to each other and uh, you know 
if anything, working outside in a team, you learn that understanding that, you know, it's not just, you take it for granted that you just turn on the tap and there's water, yeah. but you don't realize that if we don't care for our resources, it's not going to always be there or, you know, someone else is doing this, but um, it's so easy to just become consumers in our society yeah. and not be people that are serving and getting actively engaged. And then when we have too many consumers, that means that there's not enough people that are producing and, we, and, and stewarding and, and that's uh, unfortunately the balance that you're, you're alluding we're, to. We're getting yeah. to at this point. We're off kilter, yeah. yeah. So, well, I mean, I want to see this happen for our, you know, our community. I think we need to get back yeah. to where we where we were. I guess even where the ancient Hawaiians were, I yeah, would say more right. than anything. Not necessarily where we were when we were younger, yeah. but um, I know it's definitely it's a it's a big hurdle. But people like you. The companies that you guys have are really making that difference, which yeah. I, I think I give you guys so much accolades for what you're doing. Yeah. Let's see. I wonder if there's a couple more things I could throw in here. Maybe you can um, share a couple, a success story or two yeah, sure. of somebody. I mean, you don't have to mention names, but maybe um, someone that came into one of these programs and yeah. how it, it impacted it their lives. So we we also, on Kupu's programs, we also have a program for under-resourced youth, which is, it's also, there's also a term now nationally called opportunity youth, which is young adults that are 16 to 24, unemployed, haven't gotten their diploma, and just getting them, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for these guys if someone's just willing to steward them, encourage them, because one thing I found is that we have amazing kids in Hawaii, and just needs they just need the right encouragement even if they've dropped out or left school it's it's like it's not that they aren't smart or aren't capable it's just that they need the right learning environment or the right people beside them yeah and as a whole kupu's programs although we are multi-demographic that we serve uh, through our different programs 80 percent come from middle to low-income families um, so we created a program to serve under-resourced youth at our kewalo and waianae um, operations and so in Kewalo Basin, we just finished a really cool center uh, called the Harry and Jeanette Weinberg Ho'okupu Center. And it's um, uh, it's going to be the, it is the home to our community program. There's classrooms now. Before it was an open air shed. And it took us about nine years to develop it with the state. Um, but we have a 35-year lease at a dollar a year, which we've been very blessed with. But in return, we're able to provide young adults with the skill sets and trainings to transform their lives. So they can get their diploma with us. They get uh, um, transferable job skills being in the field, simple things like wearing a uniform, showing up on time, you know, things like that, that just help them to gain skills that they can take to other careers. Um, and they get wraparound services and support from our amazing team. Um, so that's a really exciting opportunity. Um, and in that program, we've had some real great success stories. So. Um, one was Maya, Maya Shiro. She was in our program when she was 16. She had left school and she got a diploma with us. One of the highest scores that she got in the, in the competency-based diploma program uh, came from her in the, in the high 90s out of 100. And um, she realized she wanted to go to school after that. So she ended up um, deciding that she wanted to go to a scholarship pageant to, to get money for her tuition. So she enters this uh, this scholarship pageant maybe about 
I don't know, a month or so before, maybe two months before the pageant. And most of the girls doing this. They're stuff. processing yeah. for a long time. Years, yeah, right. you know, and they're all coming from great schools, like Punahou and Midpac, Kamehameha. And, uh, and, you know, when they asked her, her school, she goes, oh, it's Kupu. And they're like, where? And so <laughs> at her, you know, she used Kupu as her platform. Um, but she ended up uh, going through the competition and not only did she do it, but she ended up winning it. Wow. And she got over $30,000 for college 30, funds. 30000 yeah. That's amazing. So she ended up being Miss Outstanding Teen Hawaii um, in 2017, I want to say. And 2017 to 2018. And um, she got to go to Florida to represent Hawaii in the Miss USA Teen pageant. Oh. And, um, yeah, and she was, just, you know, she spoke all across the state. And it was really great to see that transformation in her life and now she's in college and she's doing great. She's a musician and she's trying to start up her own nonprofit as well too. So it's really, it's really fun to see, um, you know, young people like Maya just, you know, like I said, they're just amazing talent, amazing people just need someone to come beside them. So, yeah. They may uh, not have had it growing up, but now they do Right. with Kupu. Right. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, I think, you know, we've pretty much covered a lot. I don't, I know there's so many other programs and I yeah. have to go check out your new center. Like yeah. I really need to come and check it out. I'll definitely bring my video cam and sure. do some stuff and yeah. put a little reel together. Hopefully I could do that maybe before this comes out. So there'll be somewhat of a reel to go yeah. with, to go with your podcast. We, our, we have a new culinary program. And I know I saw something. Yeah. Could you tell me about that really quick? Sure. Cool? Yeah. So we, the Hogue Foundation out of California helped to give us the first three years of funding. But basically, it's to support um, a farm-to-table uh, culinary program that takes. So what we realize is that our youth need more time with us out of the community. Our community program is the one that works with more under-resourced youth. And so, finishing that that program is six months. They need a little more time. So we we looked at an opportunity to create a culinary program, which is a high-demand area. For employment it's especially here in Hawaii yeah. big time so yeah. it's you know social economic wise it's helping these graduates to gain the skill sets they need to gain a job a competitive job um, in a good area of culinary area um, but also too as they as they go through it they actually get to to do events um, off-site caterings doing you know we're, we're looking at having workshops and community events at our facility and they would be able to do the caterings for that. Is this tied into KCC or anything? We've or had some partnership so with them for the training side of it. Oh, okay. And they will also have a food truck, too. Oh, so okay. it's it's the way... So it hasn't started yet? It has just, started, yeah. Oh, it has? The food truck is yet to be developed, but the other components of catering and having things at the center have already occurred. In fact, I think they've done probably close to 40 events in the last, uh, I want to say, a couple months. They oh. just did American Savings Banks, their opening of their new campus. They just come in schools. I think they did a wedding somewhere off-site, and um, they, did, they, they brought it to the food to them. So they're doing office openings and all kinds of different really cool events. So yeah. And how many are in the program? So we have four guys that are employed now. They went through our training. They went through our community program first. They got their diploma with us. Then they went through a health and safety certification course. So they are have their, their food safety certifications with us. And now they're employed by Kupu. There's four of them. And then we're just about to start a new cohort. So if anyone knows someone that is looking to get into either our community program um, to get their diploma with us or they want to get a um, culinary training, we're going to have both of those cohorts starting up in, uh, in April this month. 
Oh, wow. And then how do you apply? Do you so just... um, you can go to our website, and uh, it's under our team-based programs. You'll see it under our, our community program or our culinary. They will have and that's under Kupu Hawaii? Under kupuhawaii.org, okay. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Man, there's so much to cover, but, you know, yeah. I think we're short on time. The one thing that I wanted to ask, um, because I guess it's more of an interest to me, because I am moving into the nonprofit sector for Smart Living yeah. Hawaii, but... Now that you've evolved and you've become a bigger nonprofit, um, how do you deal with the board and volunteers and Mm -hmm. all of that separate from, I guess, the um, programs that you have? Because there's a couple of things. One is just learning about how the board works and how you've come up with who joins your board. And um, the other side of it, too, is... um, I've also been working so for a yeah. long time with the Young Professionals Program at the Chamber of Commerce, sure. and they're actually putting something together at the end of May, yeah. and it's actually a thing where the young professionals, who maybe this isn't necessarily the sectors that they're their business in. They might be in the corporate ladder or have their own businesses, but they are that age range where they're starting to look to give back or they want right. to volunteer or they want to help sure. and they don't know where to go. Um, some of it, they, they're interested in stepping up and, you know, joining a board or getting more involved. Yeah. Like what, to what capacity maybe do you guys yeah. offer? Yeah. So we have been looking at having like a young professionals, um, but you guys are all board. young professionals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but having some kind of committee or board for folks that are in their, you know, in their early careers or mid-careers that want to support us. We have a governing board at Kupu mm-hmm. with 10 amazing board members. Um, I would say if you're a non start looking to start up a nonprofit. Um, so a couple questions. If you're looking to start a nonprofit or, or you are a young nonprofit, your board composition may change over the years. In the beginning years, you might want to find people that are have a little bit more time and can roll up their sleeves to support you in, you know, providing you with financial, you know, support in terms of helping you with your accounting or other things that you may not have the The in-house skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marketing, you know, other things that are all really important. But as as the organizations mature, um, it's also important to find boards that then can know their separation between operations and governance. And so you want a board as you matured, that it's going to be more on the um, governance, policy, strategy, yeah, and helping with your fundraising, and you know, like you said, strategy side versus the doing, um, because that can get confusing when you have management and other staff doing, and you have board members also injecting their um, their time into that. And I'm sure all of it's in a good heart, but you just as a as the leader of any organization, you kind of have to buffer and provide correct boundaries. So, um, so, but then that creates opportunities for volunteerism within the organization where... Um, so do you have a yeah. lot of opportunity for volunteers for you guys? I know that yeah. a lot of the programs, they are volunteers in a sense, yeah. but in addition to, you know, obviously if you're over 24, yeah. you're so, not in a program. Yeah, right? so they can all reach out to us on our website as well. And people, we have areas, people have volunteered administratively at events. Um, we do have a few, about two or three work days for the broader community. People come and volunteer more hands-on in that way there. But, you know, if anyone listening would love to come and volunteer for us, um, please feel free to come to our website, fill out our, our um, 
contact us sheet and we'd love to help to um, engage you in an area where you can use your strength um, to, to support Google. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps up everything. And um, thank you for your time. Thank you, John, yes. so much for joining us. And uh, that's all I have for you today. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at www.smartlivinghi.com. Also follow us on Instagram at, at smart underscore living underscore Hawaii and like us on Facebook. Mahalo until next time. Live smart. Thank you. Mahalo.